Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. You wouldn't know it. We are live <laughs> and official here right now. I love that you guys get to see what happens right before we go on. It is insane, it, and it's it's just like this every day here at the Wizards Coast. Uh, we've got a lot going on on this channel right now, don't we? This is two days in a row, two days Mr. In a row Keto. That we have to talk to each other. I know. It's a lot. With headphones a lot to on. handle. Then we have, uh, I'm going to do some Dungeons & Dragons news also today. When? I know, right after this. We're going to go right into it. Oh, cool. I know, great. we got to change this over for Dice Camera Action, which will be coming up at 4 p.m. Pacific time today. It's going to be fantabulous. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, I already did the welcome, but let me do like the other one so we can get right into the intro. Mean? Um, I don't know. You've already... I feel like I need to do like a, a, like a Twitch intro and then like the actual intro for the Dragon Talk. And you literally just asked me this before we went live. Yeah. And I said, we're just going to do one. No. And then I'm lying to myself. But I didn't know myself. you like did one uh, well, let's just say without this is me. Let's just say this is it. This is the, this you is the just intro. just like on your own? You're just going to have to deal <laughs> with what's happening right now. I already I like have to your, deal uh, with... Your little blue number you got going on this? there today. Yeah. Does it look like an old lady? No. Okay. It looks like a very hip lady uh, with hip blue eyes uh, who is coming at you with Dungeons & Dragons tips on how to be a sorceress. (laughs) Because you look magical or something like that. Part-time. Part-time sorceress. Sorceress. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, we got a lot going on here in the Dungeons & Dragons world. We're going to be talking to Deborah Ann Wall today. Right now, she's the star of True Blood and Daredevil, and uh, she is a Dungeons & Dragons player through and through. Huge Dungeons & Dragons player. And she's in Force Grey Season 2, The Lost City of Omu. 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 Oh! Uh, And uh, that premieres on July 31st at 5 p.m. Pacific Time right here on the Twitch D&D channel. Um, And so, yeah, we're talking about uh, uh, all good things with her in the interview segment. I'm excited that she's talking to us. I know, right? I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna play it cool. I honestly, I, I might tell you this, but I've been honestly trying to get her on this podcast since this there was I this remember. podcast. Yeah, because yes. I was like, oh, I heard a thing that she likes Stone of the Dragons. I listened to a podcast with her and her boyfriend talking about her campaign, and ever since then, I've been like, let's do this. We need to talk. This was even before I knew she was gonna uh, play in Force Grey. It was a long us. time ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, it's uh, now it's a dream come true. It's all happening. It's all happening. I wonder why she wasn't. Amendable to talking before. Uh, it's you know it's hard to get in touch directly. You with never people. got in touch with her. Never you got never got like a no. I like, never got off. a no. Right. Yeah. Okay, I, do, I did try to reach out to her boyfriend, and he was like, oh, "Okay, I could be on your podcast." I'm like, "Well, I I want to talk to both of you oh. about Dungeons and Dragons." Uh, so yeah, no, there was there was. I could be on your little podcast. Exactly. Oh. And now I, I think she had a good time playing with Joe Manganello during uh, Force Gray season two, and that was a big part of it. So. Uh, we're excited to get that out the awesome. door. Yeah, I know, right? Yes. All right. Uh, what do, uh, is going on in your world, Shelly Mazzanova? Just working. Just working? Working on a couple of board games. Yeah. Working on something really exciting for 2018. Now that I've stopped teasing Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, I can start teasing something from 2018. I know. But it's like, so I shouldn't even. I'm not, You know what? Not talking well, about Well, I know what it about, is, and I can say that it has uh, some really fun people have been coming into the office and having lunch meetings. That's all I'm going to say. 
That's that's only like my, lunch meetings. My like, only uh, contribution to it is that you've been very good, despite what Mike Merle said. Right. You've been very good about providing lunch. Uh, and for I those invited meetings. that jerk to the lunch too. Yeah, and we talked about wrestling, if I remember correctly. Well, because you can't go anywhere with Mike Merle's without talking about wrestling. That's what you do. That's what uh, you do. But that project is really exciting. But I'm really excited about the other project you got that you ha- can talk about. Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Yeah, the mashup of uh, uh, two great uh, gaming franchises into one. It's amazing. It's amazing. Amazing how that. That happens. I know. It's all. It's all because. And of you. don't forget the Access and Allies anniversary edition. Don't forget coming I, back at you. My Russians just attacked Poland and they did really bad. So I pulled oh, back. No. I pulled back. Yeah. It's, you got to know when I had a retreat. <laughs> retreat. <laughs> hey, do you want to wear my hat? Uh, yes, I do want to wear your my hat. fuzzy hat your that Russian I got when I was hat? cosplaying diplomacy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't think that ended very well for you. So no, I'm not really sure did. that it's I want to. It's the hat of hate. It's the hat of of, of shame. <laughs> I was going to say shame, and then I went with hate. (laughs) No politics, as as, uh, 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 Ryan would say. Um, It's inner office politics. All of this stuff that we've been talking about here on the D&D channel, uh, including Force Grey, uh, uh, City of Omu, uh, Maze Arcana is starting up back again tonight at Tuesday at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific time. They're busy. Ms. Clicks D&D Risen tomorrow at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Too much. Girls Gets Glory. Love them. High Rollers, Uncharted Territory on Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific time. Then Dragon Friends at 7 p.m. All of this stuff has been uh, laser-focused on our Tomb of Annihilation storyline that we introduced at the Stream of Annihilation uh, on June 2nd and 3rd. Yep. And it's going to be coming out when? September 19th is the answer. I'm not even going to wait for you to to answer it. Thank God. I know, right? I was going to say the 9th. It's 19th. (sighs) You'll remember it. The, the osmosis of me saying it over and over again will eventually I know. Penetrate. I was, like, answering questions about um, Storm King's Thunder, <laughs> like, in random meetings. I was like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, oh, Tito. <laughs> my uh, my sister was asking me about Hascon, uh, or, or I told her about Hascon, and she's like, what can I do? was like, well, you can click on the uh, oh uh, uh, hasbro.hascon.com, scro- click on the tickets tab and scroll all the way down to the bottom. Did she like, say? You've said that a few times, haven't you? She and I'm said, like, you yes. should have your own podcast. <laughs> You're no. really good at she's that. She's not like uh, uh, a grandma. She doesn't even know what a pan- podcast is. She's such a, a Luddite that it's, hmm. yeah. You know, her, her husband uh, listens to podcasts, and I try to get him to listen. Does he listen to, to this one? He does not. Uh, he listens to, like, space ones. Oh. Yeah, having to do with NASA and things like that. More close. Probably mm-hmm. in the, like, if you listen to this NASA one, you'll love Dragon Talk. Exactly. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much yeah. one-to-one relationship right there. Totes. Yeah, exactly. Do you know that we work with people who have worked at NASA? Like who? Like real, honest-to-God engineers. Who is, who's Rocket worked at NASA? Scientists. Who's worked at NASA? Can you tell? Well, I want to find out. Yeah. But at least 75% of the people who work on magic and D&D are yeah. NASA scientists? Yeah. Right. There's, like, actual, like, rocket scientists. I love it. I know. Yeah. Well, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out oh, that Dungeons & Dragons does. is a fun game. <laughs> that's, that's my catchphrase, and I'm sticking to it. Sure does. Awesome. All right, well, we're going to throw it to a quick uh, segment. Uh, it's probably going to be some lore uh, and oh. or a sage advice. I'm not really sure because we're doing this kind of ad hoc. So we're going to throw it to some bings, some bongs, some smashes, some cymbal crashes. Yeah. And, uh, that's what we need. Yeah. We need cymbals. Oh, gosh. Brian? Can we get cymbals and be like... Yeah, all right, cool. We're going to do that. Uh, And then we'll throw it to that right about Nizau.
Welcome to another Lore You Should Know segment. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by the illustrious Matt Zernit. Hello. Today we are going to delve into a specific little tidbit of Dungeons & Dragons lore, which is the Society of Stalwart Adventurers. Uh, and uh, there, I would totally understand if you guys had been d d fans and fans of the lore and not know what that is. And that's what Matt is going to uh, <laughs> uh, talk about today and make sure you all know everything you need to know about this wonderful group. Yeah, so uh, the Forgotten Realms has um, a long history of, of sort of mentioning various uh, vent- adventuring bands, individual bands. Um, and uh, there are often, or societies of adventurers and that kind of a thing. Um, and probably the most sort of uh, well-heeled and most or longest serving, surviving uh, organization of that is the Society of Stalwart Adventures, and that's in Suzale and Cormier. The longest surviving, so it's been around for how long? Well, uh, a little unclear because we don't have a date for its uh, inception, but um, it's it's a in a big sort of castle-like mansion building in Suzale with uh, lots of rooms and lots of floors, and there are lots of sort of long-historied members and so on. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's very much like a f- uh, fantastical take on the idea of sort of, um, you know, uh, a hunting club, uh, you know, of the British Empire kind of a deal, mm. or Explorers Club of the kind British like the, Empire. the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, something like that? A little bit, yeah. And, um, you know, the, it's, there's, I was looking at some of the descriptions today, and it's it's a, almost sort of Hogwarts-ish, uh, before Hogwarts was a thing, because <laughs> there are all of these, um, you know, different rooms dedicated to different subjects. Uh, like there's a druid who's in some room and she's basically got a giant uh, arboretum that she's doing crazy things in. And right. there's some other... The library has all these flying monkeys flying around and they help get you books down from top shelves and all kinds of crazy things. Like there's a giant stuffed yeti. Um, That's super cool. Yeah. And so the Society of Stalwart Adventures is a group of... Uh, it's a sort of long-standing group of adventurers who basically... Uh, th- what they do is they go out to places that are um, unexplored or um, you know haven't been th- seen in a long time, or they follow rumors of lost artifacts and that kind of a thing. So you imagine lots of sort of Indiana Jones type people coming back to this place and bringing back the treasures and bringing back their maps. It's one of the places in the realms that has um, sort of the best collections of maps of the world and various mm. parts of the world and that kind of a thing. The most accurate, yeah, as well as. Probably a, quite a few inaccurate ones that right. are like apocryphal. Will be like, hey, you know, don't, don't listen to this one. And uh, so the, the Society of Stalwart Adventures first pops up, I think, in uh, The Ring of Winter, which is a novel um, that is set in Chult. Mm-hmm. And uh, artist Simber is, uh, or Kimber, I think it's Simber, uh, is the uh, sort of one a member of the the organization, and he goes on a search uh, for one of its lost members or following the path of one of its lost members, um, uh, something Ray Burton, I don't remember his first name. And it's a bit like uh, Heart of Darkness kind of a thing in that sense of, of somebody going after um, that lost explorer kind of right, following their traveling footsteps. as far as you can. Yeah. Things get more alien and strange the farther you go right. upriver. Uh, and so Artis himself is very strange because um, he ends up sort of uh, tagging along or ends up having companions basically as a couple of talking wombats. Um, and and, uh, and so that's that's a, a, a funny element of the novel. Like I, I remember reading that when I was younger, and 
it, you know, it didn't phase me that he had talking wombats because there's lots of other things going on in that in that novel that were really interesting and fun. There's, I mean, that's a novel filled with dinosaurs and stuff. Um, so what's wrong with talking wombats? But are I they have, like his companions? Yeah, they? yeah. They, but they, and they have like speaking roles. If, they, if we made a movie of that, they would they would be major characters. They, wow. Yeah. <laughs> talking wombats. I don't. But looking back at it now, it's like, huh, where did that idea come from? Is it a way to, I mean, I can imagine as a novel writer, you need someone, they're not just talking to themselves, they have, yeah, but yeah. then all of a sudden they become characters on their own. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, That's pretty awesome, I have though. to like, ask the author. At this now point, I want some but, talking wombats. Um, but yeah, Artis Ember uh, is a member of, of that organization, and he goes off to Chult, and he ultimately finds the, the Ring of Winter, um, and that uh, has ties to, um, let's see, uh, What's the giant's adventure? Storm King's Thunder. Storm King's Thunder, thank you. That's right. That's what the Frost Giants were looking yep, for. They were looking for the ring, they were looking for the Ring of Winter, and um, there are other ties in other products. I don't know that I can mention them right now. That's probably true. <laughs> uh, well, you mentioned it was set in Chult. Uh, that's where the, the Ring of Winter was lost, uh, uh, and Artist Simber might have uh, been looking for it there. Yes, yeah, it's it's funny having uh, like you know I read the novel again when I was when it first came out and uh, in my memory um, they go over a waterfall at the end of the novel mm-hmm. and it just ends and I and like I was I was gut wrenched because I thought the heroes just went over the waterfall he just got the ring of winter and the heroes all went over the waterfall and everyone's dead um, and that's my memory of it right uh, having gone back and looked at it again. That's not the end of the novel. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just how far your little Matt got? That's as far as I got, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> they go back to Cormier, they live happily ever after for a while. They're talking wombats, like they're, they're gonna have a good time there in Cormier. <laughs> they, they make wombat babies. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole wombat family. I don't. I don't. I just. I, I don't know. My, yeah. So that's. That's all right. So good. All right. It does not. Don't stop at the waterfall. There's right. There's keep a going. Whole, there's a whole part. Keep going. After there's that. a happy ending after. There's that. a denouement. The falling action. Literally after the waterfall. <laughs> Uh, all right, so so the the League of Star Wars Gentlemen then is like this uh, Star Wars adventurers, not gentlemen. Yes, <laughs> gentle people um, uh, is like kind of the framework of like, oh, this is why uh, Artist Simber was going there in the first place, right? And it's it's picked up in, in novels here and there um, as as a sort of a name for an adventuring group, particularly third novels that are centering around Cormier and that kind of stuff. Um, it's in uh, a, a few products here and there that gets a mention. Um, but but the the sort of most um, the largest descriptions of it are in the novels where it's it's mentioned and uh, the at the time also um, when the novel was written it had a butler named I think Uther mm-hmm. and Uther was a um, human who got sort of given a demonic appearance by uh, another character from the Forgotten Realms uh, lexicon. Uh, Denil Thon, and uh, he sort of accidentally turned him into something that looks like a demon, mm. and couldn't be reversed. So he ends up just being this weird demon butler. So uh, add that to your idea of what this, you know, the, all of the imagine all of the D and D monsters, like you know, heads and horns and antlers and all those things on the wall, the, the books with the flying monkeys, and then also there's a demon butler. It's odd that it's a demon butler and not a devil butler. For yeah. some reason, I would think a devil butler, at least, yeah. all right, that makes sense. They're yeah. just subservient. They're, you know, following their, their their cast or whatever. But, like, a demon would be, like, utterly chaotic. <laughs> like, screw you, I'm not taking any orders. <laughs> no, no. He's, he's very cultured and civilized, as butlers will be. Oh, so. gosh. So he's really playing against type yeah. uh, as far as the demon thing goes, but yeah. not for butlers. He's, like, straight on good butler man. 
I love it. Uh, so, are there? What are some of the other members of the, uh, the this this league? You know, I was going to look that up, and I think I did. I just had to find which group or book or whatever that's in. It's in another tab. There's we so must many, travel through tabs. So many different uh, sources. Yeah, because it, it, you know, like I like this idea of there being uh, kind of like an explorers' league, or like you know, it, it's kind of a fun, it's similar to what um, Mark Holmes is experimenting with with uh, High Rollers Uncharted Territory. That there was this this group of of, of uh, uh, Victorian almost era uh, in our world, uh, uh, you know, explorers that want to go find out more. Yeah. So uh, this one, uh, this book here, which uh, we again we don't have it in PDF, so I have to get the hard copy. Nice. Realms of Infamy. Um, the short story by James Lauder, uh, Laughter in the Flames, has a whole bunch of the characters in it, and the the main sort of thrust of this story is about a character who ends up being um, sort of proven to be not as much of a hero and an explorer as he says he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, and I think his name is True Silver. There you go. There's a Sir Hamnet, True Silver. There's Ray Burton. Um, and Ray Burton was the one that was lost right. in Schultz that Artisan was trying to find. And it turns out that he, uh, he ends up being found alive in Schultz, So Ah, spoiler alert for yeah. Ring of Winter novel. Yep. So uh, it's, it's um, and that's sort of where the whole, uh, he has, in fact, he's alive and he has a, daughter, and that's who Artis Simber has a relationship with at the end of the level. That's how they, he has his happily ever after. It's, ah, I see. And they go back to Cormier? Yep. Nice. Uh, we haven't done an episode uh, or a segment on uh, Cormier yet, have we? Nope. Yes. Uh, that's something I'd love to lean into more. Uh, you know, wh- how, how does that fit in with the conception of the, like, you know, briefly, what is what is Cormier and how does the League kind of fit into that, that society? Uh, so, briefly, uh, uh, Cormier is uh, a kingdom of, uh, a sort of a feudal kingdom. So there are, there's a, there's a powerful king and then a whole bunch of various uh, lords or barons, I forget their titles or whatever. And, um, but it, and sort of has this um, mystique about it that's sort of like a, Camelot-like, you know, there's, there's, for a long time, the ruler on the throne was um, King Azun, and uh, he was sort of a very popular king, and everyone really liked him, and, and he was served by um, the, this wizard named uh, Van Gerdehas, Van, Van, I'm going to mispronounce that, um, but, and that was sort of his Merlin, and it had this sort of feel of, of Camelot. Um, the undercurrent of all that, though, was, all, was a really weird, because essentially, uh, Wenger de Hast is uh, in charge of what amounts to a secret police force of mm. wizards who uh, literally spy on virtually everyone that they can in the country. Uh, and uh, they go in with hit squads if you are getting out of line and mm. stuff like that. And so uh, there's – it's this sort of strange mix of – of the you know the good kingdom plus oh wait this is a, like a weird creepy totalitarian state <laughs> like right <laughs> it's like utopia can very quickly be dystopian in in, yeah. in, in the framing and so Cormier uh, is um, what well, it was a, a sort of a very powerful nation sort of military wise they have a, what's called the the purple dragons which are their army. Um, and now, yeah, what, they, is that an actual army, or is it more like an elite strike force? So there's there's a couple that. dragons uh, that are the the army. They're they're just sort of like a a, um, a soldier force that's constantly employed, and and 
Uh, and then there's um, the Purple Dragon Knights, and there's the idea that they're sort of an elite version of, of that. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, but so they are, they're sort of subordinate also to the wizards as well. So, you know, it oh. all kind of flows back up through um, that sort of weird secret police force. And Interesting. Like all right. And so how does the League fit into all that? Like, how are they uh, uh, part of that system? Well, Cormier has, uh, for a long time, on sort of the, the books of uh, Cormier's legal system, uh, required that any band of adventurers or whatever have to register. Oh, okay. So you have to, really have to sort of register and pay a fee and say that we're going to go and do X, Y, and Z, um, or else uh, it can be deemed illegal and you can be punished and you know if you're caught um mm-hmm. and so the society stalwart adventurers obviously grows up from um you know this world in which or this country in which there are a bunch of people who have to register and they have to go through all this process and so this long-standing organization grows and forms and neat comes that okay that's kind of interesting because you know you think about you know people who play dungeons and dragons now uh, I don't think the idea of of naming your group uh, that you played with was quite so concrete as it is now with with streaming and with like the fact that like oh we are Box Machina or we are the Waffle Crew or we are Force Gray you know and in some ways it it might have begun with this league of stalwart adventurers like this is we're we, you know this is this idea that, that this is our group and it, party members may change here and there but this is our core team. Yeah. And going back to, you know, Ed's uh, campaigns, uh, even really before he was getting published and um, and as he was publishing sort of the initial elements of Forgotten Realms, um, there are a number of different uh, sort of adventuring bands that um, were made by his players in his various campaigns that became part of the canon. Um, And then they ended up, you know, being in you know, the, the, the stronghold of the Nine, for example, someplace near the, I think, the High Forest. And that's mm-hmm. actually some place that was sort of founded by members of his own, players of his own campaign and that kind of a thing, so. I love it. Yeah. All right, that's super cool. And I like that we're kind of, you know, now creating our own registered parties of, uh, of adventurers now in the, in the Forgotten Realms. And if they go to Cormier, got to sign up. They got to sign up. They got to pay the fee. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> or else the, uh, uh, the wizards will come after you. Yep. Yeah. Is, uh, this last question. Is that Pendergrass guy, is he still in charge in Cormier? Uh, so uh, the, I think, let's see, where are we at? It's, is it Queen Alisair or somebody else now? Because it was um, Azalm and then I don't remember who's Queen now. Or I think it's Queen of, of Cormier. Uh, it is not um, Vangerhast because weird things happened there. Um <laughs> Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> he was a dragon for a while, I think. And mm. then he got, he was a spider. Oh, my gosh. All right. So we are leaning into so many other Lower You Should Know segments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think I, my, my memory's hazy on where he ended up, but I think he might be sort of semi-immortal as a dragon with an, a mate, and they are off being dragon people. <laughs> But I'm not positive. Awesome. All right. Well, we now we definitely need to do a segment uh, some point down the line. Yeah. He's got he's got like an apprentice who runs it, who's, who's basically like the same kind of guy. Oh, so. okay, cool. All right, that was close. Uh, but that's exciting. I love I love that I can ask you questions, and it makes me want to have four other different segments. Uh, it's part of the fun of of doing this. So thank you, sir. Um, where can people uh, ask you some some wonderful follow up questions on all these threads? <laughs> on Twitter at at Cerna, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. Awesome. And I'm at Greg Tito. 
And uh, for those of you who are interested, you can find out uh, watching us record these live on twitch.tv slash DND. We've uh, got a collection of all of the um, Sage advice as well as Lori Chanel segments up on there. So go check that out. All right. Thank you guys so much. And uh, we'll be back next week. That was a really pretty good segment uh, of the lores. Did you like that? I really did. Yeah. I feel like I know more about whatever it was that was discussed. It was light as air. (laughs) It was light as air. (laughs) We know that from working at NASA. Yep. It's true. We know the facts. We know the facts, Jack. Uh, Well, you know what? uh, Time to strike when the iron is hot. Let us use the power of the interwaves and ascending stone uh, to try and contact uh, Deborah Ann Wall. Do we have questions for her in the chat? Uh, no, we do not. Oh. Well, send him if you want. Yeah, now's the time. Now's the time. <laughs> Hello? Hi. Hi, how's it going? This is Greg. Hi, Greg. Hi, it's Deborah. Hi, I'm also here with Shelly. Hi, Deborah. Hi, Shelly. Um, you, I think you have your video on, but you don't need that because uh, we're just doing audio for this right now. See, is that how I do it? Yeah, save some bandwidth. Yeah, no worries. Save Love the it. bandwidth. It's <laughs> my new crusade. So <laughs> thanks so much for, uh, for, for calling in. We've uh, been, I, I was just telling Shelly, I've been trying to get in touch with you to talk about your D&D campaign for, for feels like a long time. Have you really? Yeah. Not in like a, well, obviously not in a stalkerish way because she would have known if you were... <laughs> You're not very good at that. Not very yeah, good. No. Nice. Um, yeah, but I listened to a podcast that you uh, and your boyfriend recorded. Uh, you were describing your campaign with the Raven Queen, and I was like, oh, my yeah. gosh, that sounds so fun. Ah, it was a fun one. That's the first homebrew I ever did. So, you know, it's got some tweaks, but interesting thing is I now use it as, like, any friend who knows that I do D&D and is like, what is that? I don't know what D&D is. I've always heard these rumors. Um <laughs> So it's a great one. Now I've like I've whittled it down to this really kind of great, simple one off module that I can just be like, hey, come over for four hours, play, see if you like it, see what it is. Um, so it's yeah, it's turned into this really like useful uh, tool. Nice. That's awesome. Are you the DM when you're playing or do you do both player and DM? No, I just DM when I when I do that bit. But I'm I play in a different campaign oh, that a cool. friend runs. Yeah. Got like four games going right now. Whoa. <laughs> When did you? So yeah, we always like to ask, like, when you got started playing Dungeons and Dragons. What uh, what was the? What's your origin story for becoming a D and D player? <laughs> um, I'm relatively new. It's only been like five years, I think. Oh, um, so it. I've always been really curious about it, but I wasn't even cool enough to hang out with the D and D folk. In- <laughs> <laughs> so couldn't be, couldn't get into it then. Um, but I was always interested, and it turned out one of my managers at the time had been playing his whole life and had been de- DMing for a number of years. And so I told him about it, and he was like, we'll get a group together and we'll start playing. So I played with them for about three years and then just was so interested in it, I started uh, putting together campaigns and running things about two, three years ago. Nice. That's yeah. amazing. So you were, you were already a, uh, you know, a well-known working actor by the time you got started. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, it was definitely like, I, I think once I found it, though, I realized, I don't know, that some of the fun thing about acting, especially in with live theater, um, is that idea that like you're so personally connected with an audience member, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can make them laugh, you can make them cry, those kinds of things. But it almost doesn't even compare with D&D. 
I mean, there was a moment the other day in a campaign where I had six people sitting around the table and they had tried for like, oh, they'd already made like three or four rolls to try and wake this girl up who was in this enchanted sleep and they were going to give up and they convinced this girl to try one more time and it was just enough. And I had like six faces staring at me. I just went, her eyes flutter and they all jumped up and screamed. And I was like, not even in live theater do you get that kind of excitement and a reaction out of people. So it really tweaks that same nerve for me, you know? <laughs> right, right. Like, because those those characters, those players were, were personally invested in what the result was. It wasn't just passive. Right. Invested and, and engaged. And, and not only that, it like changed their lives for a second, you know? <laughs> When they woke her up, she was someone's sister, and he lost her for a long time. So it was like this big moment for him. <laughs> now I feel like a little bit like touched by this moment too. Right. It's like a, it's a nice. I like to put that into my games. I really like it if the people that they're searching for or the quests that they're going on are really personally related to the characters, um, because I do find you get more of those moments where people are like eyes locked with you. Yeah, and it's also good if, if, especially with the new players, it helps them have something to connect to. You know, some people are a little tentative about the role playing or how to get into character. So, definitely, it's a good nugget to give them for sure. Yeah. Did you do a lot of uh, live theater before uh, you know you started doing TV? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I started. Oh, no. um, I did. I did theater for about ten years before I started doing television. Um, you know, nothing terribly professional, but yeah. I mean, when I. <laughs> 15 or so, I started doing, um, even younger, I guess, 13, 14, I started doing theater. Nice. Shelly and I are both uh, uh, theater people as well. We yep. did uh, some... Theater major. Woo. That's right. Hey, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I went to USC and everyone assume, assumes I was a film school major because that's obviously the big school there. But no, they have a BFA program for theater acting. Oh, nice. Yeah. I feel like, uh, oh, maybe that was UCLA. I'm listening to Nerdist podcast with Chris Hardwick. He's always like, he did, he did calls down there too. <laughs> right. So, uh, interesting. So yeah, we know you, I mean, I, I first found out about you watching that first season of, of true blood, uh, and seeing that, uh, uh, you know, your transformation at the end of that season into a vampire. And this is something I always wonder, cause I didn't read the books, uh, by, by Charlene Harris, but was that character always, uh, going to be a principal? Like, was it always going to be a big part of it or was that something that happened naturally? Uh, no, no. Yeah. I mean, Jessica's not in the books. Um, oh, so really? that was a completely created character by our writing team. Huh. Um, huh. And really, you know, Bill was the main character of that storyline. And the idea was it was supposed to be a punishment for him. So he hates being a vampire. The idea that he would have to make another one turn this poor, innocent girl into a vampire is like the worst punishment they could come up with. So it was really a foil for him. And the part when I booked it was only two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they liked so much what it did for Bill's character, him having to be this kind of father figure and learn to love a part of himself that he didn't before. You know, it's a really lovely allegory in there. Um, and so, yeah, they, they they invited me back for the second season as a regular, and it just blew up from there. Wow. That's crazy. That's awesome. How much do you know about your character on a show like that, like when you're, you're booking it? Do they do you know, like, the whole character's arc? Or oh, is God. It- <laughs> not at all. I mean, especially when you're auditioning, you know, next right. to nothing. Um, then, I mean, we maybe get scripts two weeks early if we're lucky. So that's wow. about as crowd as you know. Sometimes if you have a really generous showrunner, um, they'll sit down with you beforehand and tell you what their plans are. But part of the problem is 
they have to get it approved by a studio. They have to get it approved by all the writers and everything. So things change and you never really know what's going to stick. So TV is a lot about just acceptance and like, all right, I guess that's just true about me. Go now. with you the know? flow. Kind of. Yeah. Probably <laughs> good practice for D&D. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Yes. Did you get your script and were you like, oh, I'm a vampire? <laughs> <laughs> I knew about that, luckily. <laughs> How uh, dare he? <laughs> I knew about that in the audition. In fact, I was very excited about that. I I had this, I remember I had this idea that if you drank a lot of blood, you know, like when people drink a lot of wine mm-hmm. and oh, they yeah. get that like little purple yeah. ring in their lips. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I had this weird idea that if you drank a lot of blood, maybe you'd get like a little red like and yeah, like lips. Kool-Aid like I or something. did that with lipstick. Yeah, like if you drank a lot of Kool-Aid or something like that. <laughs> I did that with lipstick and in my audition I remember like eating my tears cuz they said that like sensations and everything would taste different and look different and so I really went for it in that audition. I was rolling around the ground. Oh, oh they must have loved that. Uh, it was fun. It was really really fun. That is cool. And then, you know, right, yeah, right, as Shelly said, like it, do, prepping for, for a, a quick turnaround on a TV schedule it is actually good preparation for the improv that you need to do when playing Dungeons and Dragons. In a way. I mean, all acting is, is about acceptance, you know. Uh, I mean, like I said, I started in theater and I started with a lot of classical theater. Mm-hmm. And the conventions of classical theater are very different than reality and than modern uh, theater. So if, you, if you're doing Shakespeare... And you hate the guy on page one, but you love him on page four because that stuff kind of happens that quick. You just have to kind of go, well, I can't call the writer and say, this is unrealistic. You should rewrite (laughs) Um, Hey, Bill, you made a big problem here. (laughs) You just have to accept it and figure out how to to make it work. How can that be true? Um, And I like that. I was a a math geek, so I like problem solving. I like the idea that this looks like a problem, but in the end, it's going to make a ton of sense and it's actually going to be kind of brilliant. Good way to look at math. Yeah. This I, is, I, I only got to the, this is a big problem. Math. <laughs> and I, yeah, that was as far as I could go. Quite, but isn't there, isn't it fun to sort of like take a mess of numbers and, and letters and then reduce it down to something simple and understandable? Like that feels very satisfying to me. No. No? <laughs> <laughs> It's actually okay. giving me PTSD right now. Oh, no. 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 That's but, funny. Thinking so, about all the, the getting down to it. Right? Yes. Oh, I'm show your work. D&D is such a math game. Yeah. Yeah, and I honestly, I think Shelly and I have talked about this before. We're like, that, that part of D&D is something that the two of us, I think, don't, uh, love so much. I don't know. So, so many times when I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons, especially if it's late night and there's inebriance going around, <laughs> the having having to, to add something at the end, I'm always like, oh, I don't, someone just add up these yep. these dice for me and tell me how much damage my fireball did. Right, right, right. That's oh, why that's you have fun. kids. That's why I have kids and calculators. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think it's why so many people are using like Roll20 and things like that now right. because all of that is just sort of like I hit a button and all of my math is done for me. But yeah. I'm a big believer. I like drawing maps on big graph paper and... I like, you know, physical die, and I like looking at people around a table. So I'm, I'm sticking old school for a while. Nice, I love that too. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's, you know, you, you can inform both of them, you know, so that you can have someone who, that helps out with the, uh, yep. the, the math part, but having the tactile sense is some. I mean, I love maps as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that always latches onto. Yeah, and then yeah. you can tell your players the probability of their success if they, yeah. you know, you can just compute that. 
you have a 76 chance of survival. 76% chance. If the idea is for it to be an immersive world, if the math is slowing you down, then like, sure, you want to get past that if you can, for sure. Yes. Uh, So speaking of math, uh, Nathan Stewart uh, from Dungeons and Dragons said that uh, you got your character sheets that we had made for for your character uh, for Force Grey. Uh, and immediately started being like, is this right? I think this might be a little bit different. Is that there true? There like four problems on my sheet. But, <laughs> they were, but they were all to my advantage. So I was Aww. like, hmm. <laughs> 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 Do I say something or not? Because I really want this plus four. <laughs> um, so I ended up, I did tell him at the beginning, I felt like I should at least be honest. But they didn't tell me to change anything. So we sort of left it as is. At one point, I, they gave me an action surge. I don't know why. I was a barbarian. Um, but it was on there, and I was like, I don't know, maybe. Because I was like, it's, it's the Wizards of the Coast, right? Like, they own this stuff. So maybe they just house ruled, kind <laughs> of rule. said, sure, you can have an action surge, you know? Um, yeah, I, right. I wasn't going to use it unless I absolutely had to. And then down the line, Mercer vetoed it, which was the right call. Probably. Uh, And honestly, I think, you know, we've had that thing where we provide character sheets to people and they're like, "Eh, it's not exactly correct. And mostly that that has to do with like editing, like, oh, this character was a barbarian or was a fighter or was a thing at certain times. And then, you know, it uh, uh, gets lost in there. Well, Nathan was very cute when I when we called it out. We were like, "What? Why are there so many problems on the sheet?" He was like, "Well, we were just so excited you were coming." <laughs> <laughs> he was very sweet about it. Well, he That's said it. you were also very sweet about it. That you weren't, you know, it was you were very kind and and <laughs> about pointing out these these errors. Oh, I, I, yeah, I was nervous about it because I was like, you can't go to like the people who make this stuff and say, "Okay, you did I, it wrong." But it was also like it was just, you know, like my rage was my rage bonus was too high. Um, and again, I was just kind of like, I, that's a really easy thing to look up. But nobody said, that, you know, it was a problem. So mm-hmm. I sort of let it go and I got my extra rage bonus. And I don't know. We needed it. I don't yes. know how much I can reveal. I don't know when this is coming out. But uh, there are definitely some tough, tough battles there in which I needed a little extra rage. Nice. So, yeah, well, we'll be doing the, the premiere uh, next Monday, uh, yeah. July 31st at 5 p.m. Do you think, you know, uh, are, are you, do you watch uh, games on Twitch at all? Have you watched any of Matt's stuff on Critical Role or anything like that? I, I have just started watching because um, they invited me to, to come and play once. And, and I mm. watched it, and I think the, the commenting scroll that goes on simultaneously <laughs> scared the crap out of me. Oh, no. And I just, I was like, I don't. I was still feeling like D&D was really mine and so much of my life is so public that it was like, I really, this brings me so much just uninhibited joy and I just didn't feel like I could open it up to criticism. So I turned it down and I was a little wary of Critical Role for a while because it felt like anyone could just write in and be like, actually, you're doing it all wrong and you should have done this, you know, (laughs) um, which didn't feel like the spirit of D&D to me. so after we played the game, and of course, Matt is so wonderful, and I learned so much as a new DM from him and have totally stolen what <laughs> 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 he does from my own games. Um, I've started watching since then, and I just sort of like put a note card in front of the comment scroll. <laughs> I literally oh, yeah. post it that I put over that box so I don't have to be aware of it. Nice. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's valid. I mean, I think a lot of people... 
get value from you know having the back and forth with with the chat you know especially right. if it's a smaller scale but one of the things that uh, I think Matt would even say I don't want to speak for him but like the fact that there's you know there's so many people watching Critical Role at once the thing that always gets me while watching them is that the speed of how fast that scroll oh my goes God, I know. almost is intimidating unto itself. Right, right. Well, and also I want to be like, are you really watching if you're also typing? And it's one of those, I'm a, a not a multitasker, I'm a unitasker. I really <laughs> can only do one thing at a time. So the idea that like someone could simultaneously watch, fully take it in and comment and have opinion, I wow, it gets really out of my out of my range. Yeah. So I totally understand that, and uh, <laughs> I also understand the, the 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 need to have certain joys that are separate from you know a public yeah. life. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I I D and D has become a, a really integral part of my life, um, just because there are there are so few things that don't involve some kind of anxiety or worry. You know, I love acting. I've done it my whole life. It brings me a crazy amount of joy, but there's so much stress and anxiety that goes with it that it is rarely ever just purely joyful. Mm -hmm. um, and the wonderful thing about D&D &D is that pretty much every time I play it, it is nothing but joyful. Um, I, it, I, there's just nothing else in my life that gives me that. So That's awesome. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a good, I may, now this next question will make sense because Nathan uh, said to ask you right when we were taping Force Grey season two, uh, how many hours of Dungeons and Dragons you had played ah! in the previous oh, four yeah. days? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I played D and D four days straight. Uh, Force Gray were the last two days, so I played two days. I played the two days beforehand. Wow. Um, I played the Saturday and Sunday before we shot. Uh, I had my homebrew game, and I had. Uh, we're doing Curse of Strahd. My I'm playing in Curse of Strahd. Nice. Um, so that was fun. So I, I got to play in Curse of Strahd, and I got to run a really fun game the next day. Um, I might have had another one in there. I'd have to go back and look, but uh, but yeah, I had I had a really full like four days of D and D. Wow, wow! So seventy two <laughs> out of the you know four days Something there. Like yeah, exactly. That's insane. Because right when you guys, yeah, how many hours a day did you tape uh, Force Gray? I mean, it's somewhere like eight hours or something like that each day. And so it was a lot with the cameras on and everything. That that can with be draining. Camera rolling yeah i mean we definitely i could feel the lulls you could feel where we were like we just ate we're getting a little tired <laughs> you know, then matt would introduce some new you know challenge to get around and we'd all kind of perk up and get excited that's cool like a good dm <laughs> exactly so did you know other than joe did you know any of the other group members before you got there i did not know um but dnd is a really great way to get to know people yes for sure other characters um you know, you see a lot of who people are. Uh, it was fun, too, like, to see Dylan play a druid. Like, druids, I hadn't really ever played with a druid before or hadn't done one myself or seen anyone do it, and so I was a little confused about that class. I could, couldn't quite get the gist of it. But he, it's such a creative class, mm -hmm. and the way that he plays it is, it's so out of the box, and the helpful things he did... Um, yeah, I mean, it really it really opened my eyes to the possibilities of the kind of I've always played fighters. So, you know, this idea that uh, that you could kind of circumvent problems with creativity was sort of a fun thing to watch him do. So, oh, yeah. So you always play fighters. What uh, what drew you to, to that kind of class? Um, potentially the simplicity of it. I, I also think that I like adding my own flavor. Um 
so, you know, sometimes, sometimes a druid in a way, because it's all, you know, you can say, well, I, I turn into a brown bear and that's already so colorful and interesting. The fun thing about like my barbarian, Jamila, is that really all she does is hit things hard. <laughs> <laughs> so all of the color has to come from me and, and what I, how she hits or what she decides to do or whether she spits in their face at the same time, you know, so I, I like, I like the simplicity of the of the action so that I can create the world a bit more colorfully. Um, yes, I mean, that that kind of thing is fun. Also, it makes the die rolls really easy. I can just grab two D20s and a bunch of, you know, D6s and 8s and I'm ready to go. I just can kind of, I always know what my... Um, what my roles are so I can, I can get through them fast, particularly with the barbarian where you're, you know, you might have three attacks and advantage. You just kind of want to be able to roll through them quick so you don't hold the game up. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I definitely see the idea that like, you know, a ranger is very kind of a specific character type unto itself and that, you know, with a fighter, you can kind of put your own, uh, uh, uh spin on it, right. You can yeah. make it be like, Oh, I'm a two sword fighter or I'm a, you know, a fighter who has roguelike tendencies. <laughs> or a fear of blood. Or a fear yeah. of blood. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually playing a ranger now in, in the Curse of Strahd, so, oh, cool. um, so I, I like it, but I think I definitely play like I'm I'm not a I'm not a beast master, I'm a hunter, you know. So mm. like I I definitely play it with a bent towards fighting. Nice. Well, Shelly mostly does magic using, so I think Always. you two would be a good uh, yep. good combo. We could be a Team good up. party. Okay. Yep. Well, I need to take on a magic, uh, a spellcaster at some point just to get it under my, like in my gut. Cause yeah. I, I'm not a intuitive spellcaster yet. Um, so that's sort of my, I think next game I play, I'm definitely going to force myself to do that. Maybe a bard. I think bards are really interesting. Bards can be fun. Yeah. Because you can do basically anything. I mean, I, I liked making bards that were theater people just because <laughs> <laughs> they kind of are, but you are. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it was a nice way to be like, I'm a, I'm a theater producer it's in, a, in a fantasy world. It's was, not role playing. It's Tito. not real role playing. It's you. Exactly. <laughs> You're playing yourself. But I like the idea of being like the Jim Broadbent in, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Shakespeare in love, like, you know, yeah. wanting to like put the show on and, and, and make it happen, you know? I love that. I was going with uh, Matthew McConaughey and Sing, his character. <laughs> oh, Buster. What was that? His name? Buster Moon. Uh, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's who I was picturing. Got, when got, you were lots, got lots of characters to draw from, from no, there. I like, I like bards because I feel like they start out a little slow, and then all of a sudden they can, like, kill you with a word. So I think it's yeah. sort of fun to be like, whoa, where'd you come from? Suddenly you're level six and I can't handle you anymore. Yeah, they have the awesome <laughs> spell in uh, fifth edition that's vicious mockery, which is basically oh, I do love that. You oh, insult them until they feel bad at the, about themselves. Yep, <laughs> they're like an eleven-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> and always challenge your players to come up with good burns. That's that's the hardest thing. Yeah, well, we love uh, so Pasein, who's playing our bard in Forest Gray, is yeah. so wonderful because we always make him sing <laughs> as his bard or do his power chord, you know, because yeah. his. His loot is his uh, his um, arcane focus or whatever. So yes, every time it's like power chord wow. and then character dies. You know. <laughs> yeah, we've heard that he has some. He's he even has a couple of raps in this. Oh gosh, I'd have to remember. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think he did all kinds of things. I mean, we really put put him under the gun <laughs> to be as uh, put himself out there as much as he could. I love that he's playing the, uh, the the female bard uh, who can wreck shit. Like that's that's amazing <laughs> to me. He was my he was my sister, and like not my literal by birth sister, but we were like you know, 
adventuring team sisters on that on that on that campaign. So cool! I can't wait to see uh, all these episodes. And what's what's cool about us because you know we've been you know on the D and D team and paying attention to everything that's been happening uh, as far yeah. as putting Force Grey together. But I haven't seen any of it yet. <gasps> really? Yeah. You guys are. I can't spoil you either. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. Good. I know, no, right? We've yeah. only heard Nathan and Bart were teasing it pretty good yesterday, <laughs> but they weren't given too <laughs> They're much. They're allowed to. I'll get in trouble, or maybe I'm <laughs> a little brainwashed by Marvel. You know, we have to be so careful. We're all shock collars in case we say the wrong thing. <laughs> so, what's going to happen in the Punisher, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> shocking grasp. Well, can you tell us uh, yeah. more about your character? Is she a character that you that you've played before, or is this the first time? Is this her debut? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is her debut. Um, the guys at Wizard, Wizard of the Coast put her together for me incorrectly, but, talked, but... <laughs> yeah, incorrectly. <laughs> um, but yeah, but we did talk about it a little bit. They at first they wanted me to play a cleric, like a sixth level cleric, and I wrote back immediately. I was like, I'm not much of a spellcaster. I don't think I should jump into a cleric at sixth level. Yeah, that's hard. Um, and, and, you know, so they, they adjusted things and made this amazing barbarian and, and I sort of gave them a little bit of the backstory that I was interested in. I knew that they wanted her to be from Chult. Um, so I just sort of created this little, little backstory about being shipwrecked there. And, um, and yeah, I, I, I like the idea that she was, you know, I'm not always very confident myself. So I, I wanted Jamila to be super confident because I was so nervous about coming in and doing Force Grey. So I thought, well, I'll play a really super confident character, and then that'll mask how nervous I am. <laughs> oh, does that That's work? That's a good idea. <laughs> it does, because in a way, it's easier to kind of believe in yourself when you're pretending to be someone else. It's acting. Um, a little bit. So yeah, so you know, I made her like beautiful muscles and just like, uh, you know, just think she's God's gift to the world. She's going to save everyone because she's so strong, you know? <laughs> Um, I even had a DM recently. I played Jamila again, and she was like, I wrote her my little backstory, and she was like, ha-ha, for that I give you one flask of endless oil to smooth all over your muscles. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so I used that whenever I could. Nice. She's got bodybuilding uh, uh, skills yeah, going yeah. on, too. Exactly. That's Gotta cool. Gotta make a living. Yeah. <laughs> and as a barbarian in Schultz, you kind of have to be okay with uh, the, the heat. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, not a lot of furs going on uh, for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely very exposed. Why would you cover muscles up like that if they're that beautiful? Exactly. Yeah, see, that's, J- that's Jamila talking right there. Jamila. Jamila knows. <laughs> I'm going to borrow some confidence from Jamila. Nice. We all should. I know, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Just fake you, it till you make it. That's Thanks, what Jamila. You do. Yeah. So what was it like for you? Because you had not played D&D in front of cameras before. Was it walking in there? Was it was it much different? Or did you just settle in and just I, like you've always I been just, there? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I felt it felt really natural and fun. I I think I was worried since I'm I haven't been playing it for very long. I was worried that I would be really out of my league. Um, but in a way, because I play so often, I've kind of caught up nicely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't actually really feel feel that behind, which was which was really um, gratifying in a way. Um, so yeah, it really just fell right in. I, I just knew I was just gonna like I was just gonna look at my fellow players and I was gonna look at Matt and I was really gonna make it all about this group and whatever the cameras caught they caught and uh, try not to worry too much about it. Nice. So you haven't seen any have they shown you any of the footage or anything? 
Uh, no, I think I saw a trailer a while ago, maybe. Right. Um, oh, yeah. We just yeah. Uh, It was just today, actually, I went out on uh, the AV Club, uh, the Onion oh. AV Club. Okay, cool, cool. Oh, Check it's it out. out there. It's out there. Yeah. yeah. Look, it's happening. Look so did you know uh, when you were filming True Blood with, with Joe Manganiello that he was also a D&D fan? Well, this is the funny thing. So Joe and I were on the same show for five years, six years. I don't remember what season he came in. But uh, we were on the same show. But I didn't work with him until the day they killed him off True Blood. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that was the first day we worked together. Um, he mentioned that, too, when he was he was yeah, in here, yeah. that, like, you guys were on almost, like, separate shows. And I had to go back mentally to be like, oh, yeah, they didn't really People. combine those storylines. Like, I saw him a bunch, you know, like at table reads, and we would be on the same day or something like that. But we didn't actually ever have, like, just hangout time. Mm-hmm. Um and it's also something that I don't know. I, I definitely bring up D and D more often now with people because I'm more confident in my identity surrounding it. But back then, I think because I was new and because I didn't know how accepted it would be, I was younger. Um, I think I kept it more to myself. So I, I don't know that we would have found out. I think but I now think it's brilliant. I mean, he has a whole dungeon in his house where he plays. <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I am glad to have Joe Manganello as a friend now that I know about his D and D stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. I know. Yeah. We've seen the pictures from, uh, from when Nathan has been there and, and all the, the miniatures that he has and things like that. It's, it's insane. It's so great. It's just great. I, I, I'm a firm believer in being a kid for as long as you possibly can be. And oh, yeah. I feel like his little, his little dungeon is what every young D&D player would dream of having. So. <laughs> and older. And older. Yeah. That's right. Young at heart D&D players. So you must have always had an interest in fantasy, I'm guessing. Like growing up, were you in, did you read The Hobbit and, or um, not, Dragonlance books? Not so much, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big Tolkien person. Um, I actually, I liked um, children's literature, like classic children's literature. So like Edgar Eager and Arthur Ransom. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I wasn't ever really huge on fantasy. I, I think what draws me into D&D is storytelling, mysteries, puzzles. Um, my my homebrew game is full of puzzles mm-hmm. um, and, and and locks and things that they have to find their way through and um, there's always a mystery, you know, what happened to the queen? Um, <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff that pulls me in, I think, more than the dragons and the, you know, like, I, I haven't memorized the monster manual, I think, in a lot of other people who are drawn to this game. That's the first thing they do. Right. Um, instead, I set right down to going, okay, I'm going to create a really great mystery for these people to solve. That's kind of cool. So, yeah. yeah, now's a perfect segue into talking about your campaign because it feels like <laughs> a, a lot of what you just mentioned is 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 what you were describing in that in, in that in yeah. that interview. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I I when I right before I left New York, I got a bunch of wood pieces and I cut them into blocks and then I cut holes in them and I put pegs and I d- designed this puzzle where they only fit together to create a cube in one uh, order. And just split them up, and I, I put the blocks in all the different rooms of this castle that they were going to explore. Oh, and cool. it turns out, if you make the cube and then insert it into the vault, that's what opens the vault door. But I could actually, I loved that I could actually give them a physical puzzle to solve. Um, 
because it's fun to kind of go in and out of theater of the mind and then have something physical to really look at and play with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I do crossword puzzles every day. I'm a, I'm a big puzzler. And, um, so yeah, I, I end up putting a lot of stuff like that in there. That's super neat. And then you were also describing the, the, even just the moment from, was it this weekend where like the kiss of, uh, yeah. uh, you know, that, that seems very fairy tale, you know, mm-hmm. classic high fantasy stuff too. Is it, yeah. is that, is that throughout your campaign? I guess so. I, I I like the idea that people. I mean, in the end, what it is 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 that the if any of my people are listening, don't turn away now. Um, <laughs> put your fingers in earmuffs. Yeah, put your fingers in your ears. Um, you know, essentially, it's the queen's vanity that gets her into trouble. So I, I like the idea that even though there's a witch that that curses her, it was sort of her own doing that brought her down. So yes, I think that's a fairy tale kind of ask, you know, um, um, what's the word I want? Not quite archetype, but motif. Uh, motif. Yeah. That's sort of a fairy tale theme. Um, so I do, I like that idea. I like the idea that, that, you know, I also, I like, I like putting, I'm a, I'm a girl. So I like putting women as the big bads or the rulers of the town or things like that. I think that's always sort of fun to, to switch that up a bit. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I've been thinking about that for, uh, you know, uh, starting playing Dungeons and Dragons with my girls. They're, they're six and four and oh. they love things like, you know, Sophia the first and, and, sure. uh, which, like, which you mentioned yesterday too. <laughs> We're giving big pr- mad props to Sophia the first. Seriously. <laughs> gotta watch this. Uh, but I think actually Sam Regal from, uh, 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 Critical Role is the voice director for that. So. Really? There's another connection. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, but in, in watching that show with my girls, it's like pretty much D&D stories. Uh, huh. it, with that tint. A lot of kid cartoons are. Yeah. And 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 I'm trying to figure out if when I do, you know, I'm a little bit nervous about starting with D&D with them because I want to make sure <laughs> that they, they get it and they don't, you know, reject it immediately. So, like, I'm, I'm, but I'm trying to think about ways to use those stories that they might be familiar with uh, to kind of draw them in. Definitely. I, I mean, I think part of, again, part of what D&D is great is it does appeal to that kid in you, that yeah. kid that likes to play make-believe, that that wants to save the the poor townsfolk, you know. Um, you know, those are, those are the best games when you really go, I'm going to be a hero. Right. Yeah, and especially be be a, be a, a, a woman hero, like be, yeah, then that, sure. and then showing that as, as, as an example for them. Because I want yeah. them to be, my, my, well, I, do, I'm, do you watch Game of Thrones at all? I don't really know. Oh, okay. Well, uh, my my rallying guy when when I my uh, my <laughs> wait, what's that? I play D and D. I don't have to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make sure that got out there. <laughs> Say that again. I live it. But there's the two characters, uh, Arya and Sansa, and uh, one of them is definitely might way more in the the the, the high fantasy uh, princess mode, and one of them is the mm-hmm. you know gonna go out and, and do stuff and be an adventurer type mode. And I was like, yeah. I want to be my kids to be to be Arya, not Sansa. The you might have a Sansa. In there, I'm, but but I, I don't now, know, though. well, with the way the story's going now, they're both badass yeah. women, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely an Arya in your family. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> He's so cute. I know. So, would you ever consider maybe writing some adventures, or or like writing more about your campaign and putting it out there to the public? Especially that introductory uh, adventure you were talking about yeah. at the beginning. My Raven Queen. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, it's already been through like four drafts, even since I did that podcast with EJ. So, you know, I've been revising it and putting it down. I mean, it's the kind of thing that maybe down the line I would release for free just 
to see if people like it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, sure, sure. Yes, that's a dream. I don't know if I'm good enough to do it, but uh, but that doesn't mean I might I won't dream about it. <laughs> I'm sure you are. I mean, I'm sure. Too. Yeah, you got to fake it till you make it, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> Jamila will release some of that. Yes, <laughs> right. just put it under Jamila's name. Put it on Jamila's name. Yeah. I won't ruin my acting career. <laughs> Pen name. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any uh, uh, fun moments that you can think you can spoil from, from Force Gray season two that, uh, you know, maybe with Utkarsh as Hitch or... or right, yeah, well, Utkarsh is so wonderful because he's he's not really a and d player. Right. But... I, I like this was like the third time he ever played in his life or something like that. Really? But I actually I think it's so important that we show that because I I do think that there can be some snobbery, some uh, elitism around surrounding nerdy stuff for some reason. Maybe because we've always been bullied, we feel like we have to assert that back or something. For sure. Um, but I love reminding people that D and D is a game about imagination, intuition just going with your gut and I love that Utkarsh is playing because he's he's not a, a a power gamer or a rules gamer you know he's just going hey I want to do this crazy thing and yeah. we go okay great let's figure out how you do that um and that really is kind of the best way to play I I know a lot of times with my with my players I have to remind them like don't tell me you want to do a nature check. Tell me, do I know what this plant is? And then I'll ask you to do a nature check. You know, like try to stay somewhat in the world and not think too outside of it. So he's, I mean, he's a terrific player because he, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to go take it too far, you know? Right. Right. I love that too. And I think, uh, one thing you just mentioned there made me think of another group we've been showing on uh, this Twitch channel is Girls Guts Glory. And mm. they're, you know, six women who just got into Dungeons and Dragons like in the last year or so. Mm. And so, you know, like like Utkars, they're a little bit not sure of how the, the rules of it work. Uh, but the one thing that they latched onto, same same with Utkars, was the the staying in character even when they're rolling the die. So as they're saying, like, oh, I got to sixteen, they're doing it in the accent of That's their character. <laughs> Super fun. Yeah, and you know, as as you mentioned, there's there's a little bit of like, oh, they're they're not, you know, they haven't been playing for years. They don't know all the, the ins and outs and the tropes, and yeah. and uh, you know, we got a little bit of comments about that, and and I think it was important for us to show that yes, these these players are new, um, but that that's okay, and it's yeah. it's actually you know, you, you were new once when you started playing, and it's okay to do that in your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s. Like, it doesn't matter what time you are uh, in your age uh, when when you start playing Dungeons & Dragons, as long as you can latch on to that, uh, you know, imagination that you had as a kid. Yeah, that, that, that the spirit of it can be found at any level. Um, uh, yeah, I, I really think that's that's brilliant. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, this, so in terms of spoilers, I mean... I mean, my favorite moment, and and Matt and I talked a lot about this um, as we were talking about sort of DMing, and I was, you know, picking his brain about things. Um, There's a, towards the end, and I won't spoil it, there's an incredible moment that has to do with my character failing uh, an ability check, Mm. and, or even an ability saving throw, and... The, the thing that Matt and I really talked about a lot is how sometimes failures are even better than successes because they push story. And, you know, and, and, and instead of going, oh, you know, damn it, I didn't do it, go, oh, great, now I get to 
to dive wholeheartedly into living what this this experience is for this character. And it just led to this incredible moment between me and Joe. And 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 now I ha- now Jamila has this thing that sort of changed about her that will and Joe too that will kind of live on if we continue to play with them. And and I do it again, like I think it's a really important moment to to show new players and to remind older players that it doesn't matter. There is no success and failure. Mm-hmm. There just is experience and, and story. Um, yeah. And even, even, you know, character death is, is something that a lot of people will be like, Oh no, I can't believe, you know, my so-and-so that I've been playing for 12 levels is yeah. dead. Right. And you're like, what, what great oh, drama doesn't yeah, have some death in it. <laughs> yeah. Now we can avenge your death. You know, it's a thing now. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's, it's, Sometimes the failures are better than the successes. And, and again, like I have to have to encourage my players sometimes if you roll an insight and you roll high or, or, and you roll low, you know, you have to go with that. Now you think that person is the most trustworthy person you ever met, you know, and just like dive in, drink the ale they give you because you think they're awesome, you know. Um, I love thinking of them as as uh, improv cues, you know, like if you're doing like an improv comedy show and you get cues from the audience, like that's what the dice rolls right. are. They're being like, all right, well, here's the thing that you should think about and talk about. Go. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite moments and one of the early critical role moments, and I, I don't remember the names, unfortunately, but the the guy who plays the dragonborn sorcerer, mm-hmm. there's a moment where he... Someone was like, oh, no, no, let me roll it. I've got a higher. He goes, excuse me, I have a plus one intelligence. I will do that role. You know, like, <laughs> he just really dove into the idea that I might not be that intelligent, but I don't know that, you know. Right. <laughs> um, I love but again, that. Like, that spirit is so, so important and, and really, it really makes the game. Yeah. What uh, so? What kind of uh, people are in your, your campaigns? Are you, do you play with other people in the entertainment industry or is it uh, people outside of it? Yeah. Um, well, my so my home group, uh, homebrew group. Um, it's one of the players is Janina Gavankar and her boyfriend. So Janina was on True Blood. Oh no way! Who and did she yeah. play? In, who did she play in True Blood? Luna. So uh, Ooh, okay. she was involved in the werewolf story. Nice. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, not not the werewolf. The shifter story with mm-hmm. Sam. Um, and uh, sorry, it's all animals. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so she and I have stayed really close, and so she and her boyfriend play, and then. Tommy Walker, who was a Fisk henchman on Daredevil, uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, we've gotten close. So he and his wife play, and then Doug, who was a writer and showrunner of Daredevil season two, he and his son play. Oh, um, oh. so it's a really great group of like fun people who are also storytellers and actors, and um, they're you know they're they're wonderful. They're just so open to whatever happens and. Um, it was interesting because we have we have one young player and I haven't played with a lot of kids, but he's he's really fantastic. He mm. he wants to be so noble. Um, so there, you know, sometimes the older players who are more cynical, you know, they want to go talk to the barkeep. But like he finds the guy who's crying in the corner and oh. goes over to him and says, you know, sir, how can I help you? Oh, your children have been taken. Please, I vouch my, you know, my sword to save their lives. You know, like really lovely Great. He does a really great job of he just wants to be the hero that saves the town. I love it. That's really sweet. That's really sweet. Yeah. So were any of them new to D&D before they started playing with you? All of them were. They were all new. Wow. You Six are new converting players. people. Yeah. That's kind of been my main thing. You're you know, doing the Lord's work. I know. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I know. 
I don't know a lot of D&D players because I haven't been in that community. Um, so pretty much everyone that I that I play with, I've drawn into the fold, you know. <laughs> right. Is this something that, uh, you know, you mentioned how you, you, you didn't uh, uh, talk about it a lot on the sets, but there's a, a question here in, uh, in Twitch from uh, Richard McSunday that says, did you ever, is that how you got to know the, the showrunners from, from Daredevil who played it? Did you, like, slyly mention it? Oh, by the way, I played Dungeons and & Dragons. And, <laughs> you know, is, 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 and then, you know, are, are you ever going to get other, other cast members from, from other <laughs> shows you're working on playing? Um, well, I, I actually didn't know any of our showrunners played D&D. Um, obviously, Doug didn't before because his first time was playing with me. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know who else did. So Richard will have to answer his own question uh, <laughs> <laughs> about who, who played. Um, but uh, yes, actually, sometimes, like any D&D player, I'll build characters kind of just for fun. Uh -huh. um, and we have a lot of downtime on set. So sometimes I'll like sit with someone and be like, hey, you want to build a character? So, you know, we'll sit there and build characters. And it was funny because I, I did it with Charlie once. We didn't even finish. He just got through like the first couple of boxes. Um, but it was funny because I said that to someone and I think he wanted to be, I think he wanted to be like a half elf paladin. Like we were, basically, I just let them pick and we were just building whatever we wanted. And, and, uh, and I said that and someone was like, no, Daredevil's not a paladin or something like that. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're not trying to build Daredevil <laughs> as a character. We're building whatever Charlie Cox wants to play in D and D. You know, like it was this weird mix-up, like a, right. the kind of thing. But yes, yeah, so we'll just build characters for fun together. Reality mixing with the fantasy, but the right. fantasy is the reality and the fantasy. <laughs> that, yeah. that, per that person was trying to create a meme of like, oh, Daredevil is this, and, and Batman <laughs> is this, and. <laughs> That's exciting. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think fans just really want to get more casts playing D and D together. Mm -hmm. I think you know, as someone who's a fan of, of of watching those shows and as Dungeons and Dragons, there's something really attractive. It's to, good team building. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Well, we know um, Scott Gimple a little bit, who's the showrunner of The Walking Dead. Um, he used to be involved in improv and comedy writing, which my boyfriend did a lot of, and uh, so we know him a little bit. When he found out I was DMing. He's a returning player. He's he's let go of it for a number of years, and he wanted to play again. So he pulled together a group that involved a couple of Walking Dead cast, and I I, I ran my Raven Queen one off for them. Oh, sweet! So we had a fun a awesome. fun time on Christmas for that. Yeah. I love that. I love something that I was really surprised about when I started working here at Dungeons and Dragons, like not too long ago, but like. I don't know. I came from the East Coast. I was always very much like, you know, uh, a dungeon, like, like you, like I was a dungeon, but I didn't talk about it that much amongst peers <laughs> for, for many reasons. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, when I came out here to the West Coast, everyone was talking about how everyone in Hollywood, uh, well, not everyone, but a, a, lot, a lot of people in Hollywood yeah. played Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and it blew my mind that it was not just, you know, the people you'd think of as the creative people, but it was the makeup artists, it was the, mm -hmm. the costumers, yep. and everybody it has got this, like, cachet of, of, oh, you play? Oh, I play. You play. Somebody <laughs> told us that D&D &D was like a secret handshake in Hollywood, that you could oh. be in a meeting with a bunch of people and, and drop a little slide D&D &D <laughs> obscure reference, and like a few people would be like, oh, yeah, like across the table, you're like, yes, these I'm are my have people. use that. Yeah. I had no idea. We'll send you some t-shirts that don't overtly <laughs> say D&D, &D, but it'll be like the green devil mouth or something. There you go. There you go. <laughs> See who stops you. There you go. That's the way to do it. Yep. For sure. People, like, it's like the Freemasons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we just need like a, 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 a 
call word, you know. Right. Have the, the ampersand uh, as yeah. our, uh, you know, oh, do you have the ampersand tattoo? Yes. <laughs> okay, you can go in. <laughs> cool. Any uh, any fun things to leave us on uh, uh, about uh, uh, Force Grace Season 2 as it premieres? Anything? I know I've been asking you that a bunch, but uh, and you've been really pulling out of the, hey, the brain tissue. Hey, nobody has told Greg anything. He's dying I, to I, get something. <laughs> super impressed with everyone. We are a good, tight-lipped group. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the future. Like, I can't, I mean, I, I love that the, everybody gelled so much together, at least from the conversations that I've, that I've heard yeah. so far. So oh, yeah, it were it went, it went really well. It was, it was just great. Um, would you do a season three if there was one? Oh my God. In a heartbeat. Nice. I'm telling you, it was wow. like my two favorite days of my life <laughs> <laughs> last year. I'll say I'll, I'll qualify it with that, but it, I like, I couldn't believe that I had waited so long to do it. Um, and it's actually it's inspired me to, to to say yes to more, you know, because that was something that I had turned down before out of out of feeling insecure. And, and now I'm just so glad that I did it, that when opportunities like that pop up about other things, I'm like, well, give it a shot. Maybe it'll be the best two days of the year. That's all. Awesome. Sweet. Well, can't. Good. Strike well. I'm taught, Greg. I know, right? Come up to Seattle. Stream of Annihilation. Now is the 2018. time. <laughs> you can visit the offices, the people who make oh, it. You can yell at the guy who made your uh, uh, character sheet. <laughs> I want to shake his hand. He gave me all this great stuff. <laughs> he was trying to help you out. Little did he what? know, Jamila doesn't need your bonuses. Right. I don't need no action surge. <laughs> thighs that could crush a man's head. <laughs> that's all oh. that's important. Yeah, right. And you can all see the matters. artist. You can see Sean Wood, who, who did a lot of the oh, uh, yeah. the art behind uh, Jamila. Oh, oh, that's so good, the artwork. I just loved it. When they sent her over, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Absolutely. It was just so great. He is, yeah. he is super uh, talented. Glad to have him on board. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, great. I can't wait for more uh, uh, to come. And uh, I'm looking forward to the premiere Me on too. July 31st. Um, yeah. And you're more than welcome to come in. And uh, I know that the, the chat might be a little bit intense, but it's always fun to have people who are uh, involved, you know, uh, uh, say a few things. Uh, so you're more than welcome to next Monday at, at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Come in. Drop into the chat. Say well, hi. this is the funny thing. This is why we decided to do this here. I am literally going to be at the Defenders premiere at that time. <laughs> What's more important, really? <laughs> that was the thing. Is I was like, oh, I mean, if it was just like earlier in the day, I would totally blow off hair and makeup to do that. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't think I can skip the premiere. But I was. I was like, this is so exciting. I have two premieres on the same day. That is pretty exciting. I'm excited for for Defenders just as a fan of, of all that stuff, too. So it'll, it'll all be super fun. I will say confidentially to the world in the podcast um, <laughs> that I'm a little more excited about Forrest Gray. <laughs> 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 Don't tell my bosses. But, uh, Won't. But that's uh, just because this, this was such a unique experience for me. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Deborah, for for coming on and, and chatting with us. And we'd love to have you on yep. at least again. I feel like there's so much more to, to delve well, into. Well, once once the show starts airing, then we yes. can get into like the things that Anytime. we're watching. Great. Anytime Open invitation. Thank you thank so you much. So all right, guys. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. I love her. I love her too. That was such. A, she's such a pleasant. Person to I talk to. I have a new girl crush. She's very good at at like getting people into Dungeons and Dragons. I feel like we okay. should like have a, a line of 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 cash flowing to her to continue <laughs> to keep doing people that. right and left. I can't believe she's only been playing for five years. I know. I was under the impression that she grew up playing. I was 
waiting for her origin story, and she was going to be like, oh, my, my, older, my brother, older brother my older got sister. me into it when I was six years old. Yeah. And, yeah. But that I love that story because she's right. There are so many people who uh, could get into it now uh, who – you know, hadn't in the past. Yes. And now with the, I mean, this is a big part of what we're doing as far as getting all this streaming and all this stuff here on, on the D&D Twitch channel. But it's like watching people play, watching her play, it's so yeah. infectious to, to other folks to want to jump in. She's right, too, about having the the fear of people calling you out because you, you don't know sure. every rule and stuff because that does exist. And I have always also said, I don't ever want to play D&D in front of an audience because I... I know nothing. You can barely come on camera to talk in I this can podcast. I can barely talk. <laughs> Period. <laughs> but to, like, play this game and, like, know all these people that know way more than I do, it's like, I I can't, like, I, I'm always referencing the player's handbook. Right, but then I'm she was like, oh, I got this. It's no problem. And I think I there's 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 a level of, uh, you know, I said it a couple times, fake it till you make it. Like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter yeah. so much about the minutiae of yep. each individual rule. But if you go into it, because I've also met players that do know everything, and they're extremely kind and welcoming and, like, I'm going to help you. You want to know how to do that? Here's how to do Like, they're not, like, condescending or rude. Like, oh, my God, how long is it going to take her to look up this spell? Right, right. So they are very helpful. Even too. me as a, as a DM, like, I have never been the one that's like, I know exactly every rule. And I'll just be like, eh, this is what we're doing right now. Yes. And I'll look it up later. Sometimes I'll just yeah. be like, oh, ma- magic missile? Because I know how to <laughs> do that. Or you get a player who does know it all, and uh, I lean on them to be like, oh, can you look that up while we do something else? Yeah. Um, always things to do. So. Yeah. So it's just it's people of I'm, all different levels. Everybody's having fun. We're all playing the same game. I'm, I'm a you big, know more, good for you. Big respect on uh, Deborah for for jumping in yeah. and, and doing it with uh, that have, group. How who does she have time to play all these games? I don't know. I have one job and I don't have <laughs> that much time to do it. <laughs> I have two kids and I don't have any time to play unless uh, yeah. see. And I and I keep saying it like I'm, I am. I want to make sure it's the best possible experience for them, I and that is the I wrong way to think about no, it. No, but I think you right? can just start playing and not tell them it's done. Dragons, unless they like it, and then you're like, "Oh, that's D and D." Oh, by the way, if yeah. they hate it, then just be like, "Oh, that game is called Muffins and Misfits." Yeah, yeah. I oh. think what I have to need to do too is get Edna, uh, uh, the six-year-old, away from Fiona because I feel like Fiona's a little too young, a little too rambunctious, and it might detract. But Edna's like we've been talking about it; she's like primed. She's ready to get into it, and Fiona is too. But like, I feel like there's a uh, 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 attention gap. Well, we have our neighbors has they have a six year old. Yeah. And they his dad used to play, so he's been wanting to play again. Yeah. So maybe like him and his son and Edna and you and Bart. We're doing it. Done. All right, we just made that. And then me and Quinn and Fiona can like be NPCs that pop in every now and again. I'm a cat. <laughs> I'm a cat folk. I don't think Quinn could sit through it right now either. Yeah. There's, there's, it's, it's five, six is when you get to that, like, cusp of, yeah, for sure. right, exactly. Anyway. Uh, all right. So, uh, again, thank you so much, Deborah, for coming on. Yes, thank and you. Thank you, uh, Quinn and Edna and Fiona for being awesome <laughs> kids. <laughs> um, uh, you guys, thank you for listening to us for this special. And uh, watching. And watching this Dragon Talk special episode with Deborah Ann Wall. Um, the Force Grade premiere is July 31st at 5 p.m. Pacific time. If you're listening to this after that, doesn't matter because it'll be on demand on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash dnd 
You can watch all the episodes of uh, Force Gray as they happen on a weekly basis and all the awesome other great content that we have going on on the D&D Twitch channel, including me, <laughs> Greg Tito, talking D&D news before Dice Camera Action today, which is going to start at uh, me. I'm going to start at around 3.30, which is a half hour, and Ryan and Sean are looking at me very sadly. Uh, and uh, then we will get back to uh, uh, Dice Camera Action with the Waffle Crew with Chris Perkins at 4 p.m. today. Love it. All right. Any other closing things? No. Where can they follow you on Twitter? At Shelly Moo. I'm at Greg Tito. Wizards of the, is at, uh, at Wizards underscore DND. If you have any Dungeons & Dragons questions, you can go to DungeonsAndDragons.com, and we will answer them on the website. Uh, there is DragonMag.com is where you can find Dragon Plus, uh, which issue 14 has been out for a couple of weeks, and it is amazing, chock full of stuff about Tomb of Annihilation, the new storyline, which all of these shows are previewing, and it's coming out on September 19th, in-game stores, September 8th, Hascon, Idol Champions of the Freon Realms. Oh, my God. Plane Shift Amaket. Okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Go. You're the best. Bye-bye. We'll Thank talk you. to you another time. Bye-bye. Bong, bong. Bye-bye.